Hi everyone! Welcome back to Story Reckless. Uh, tonight is a special episode. We are going to do a post-mortem uh, discussing our first adventure arc. Um, we asked all of you to submit questions. We've compiled them and we're going to be going through those. Uh, but first, may as well do our intros. Uh, I am Nathan, I am the DM, and I'll pass it off to our players. I'm Claire, I am Kidam. I'm slightly tickled that this is a post-mortem because I am a grave cleric. <laughs> but, um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I continue to be Olive, using they and she pronouns, playing Lovelace, the centaur barbarian. Who I now have a subclass too, and you'll see what subclass that is. Not this time, but next time. Yes. Uh, I'm very excited to start to explore your subclasses. Um, we're going to try <clears throat> revealing the subclasses through story as opposed to just saying what your subclasses are. So, um, all right. So with that, I think uh, I would like to start with a question for all of us um, from our an Instagram, or bleh, <laughs> excuse me, one of our Instagram users uh, by the name of I'm doing what now? Um, and they ask <laughs> to all of us, yes, very good name. Uh, how did you all meet? Is this our first campaign together? And how did we come to decide to bring the story telling to Twitch? So I don't, uh, I don't want to you start. <laughs> uh, Claire, do you want to, I, I know I mean, you and I have probably known each other. Well, you've known all of even longer. So yes, uh, all of and I went to the same college together and met through the fire spinning group there. Um, so we've been performing alongside one another for, well, not continuously since then, but several years, uh, uh, several years ago. And one of my strongest memories of Claire from that time is when Claire showed me Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And, <laughs> and I liked it a lot. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah. yeah. I also um, like Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've, I've heard about Star Trek Deep Space Nine from Claire. Yes, and, I'm sure you have. And, um, I've watched a few clips from it uh, for inspiration on characters. So thank you for that. And You're th welcome. That's foreshadowing to the second part of the question of, uh, is this your first campaign together? Um, it's not for me. My first campaign together with Claire and Nathan was this summer um, or this last summer when Claire decided to do a one shot. And I ended up naming my character after a character from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, Kira, Kira is one of the uh, main characters from that show. And Was Kira based on that character in other ways or just by name? <laughs> Strong female character. Uh -huh. Can punch some things. Some conflicted morals, you know. Yeah, I loved Kira and our one shot. I I didn't know that because I didn't haven't watched Deep Space Nine. But uh, yes, I loved your um, character, Kira. They were so fun to play along. Yeah, um, and yeah, I, I guess I should say I. Uh, so that's how I met Olive. Um, and yes, we're all learning. Um, that's how I met Olive, and uh, yeah, we played in that campaign together. I was a Kenku rogue, uh, so I had to constantly speak through other people's voices. It's 
very challenging, but very fun. Um, and I met Claire. It was very, incredible. It was oh. incredible. You <laughs> were one of the very few people I was willing to let even try to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's Thank just you. like, oh, yeah. Your backstory was like, you like kept implying things by like having recurring characters that you like re- would refer back to. Like, there's this like really like buff, burly person who like you always used whenever you're like talking about picking locks. So uh-huh. It's like, oh, that must have been your like rogue mentor. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's like a fancy lady. Yeah. That when you're talking about magic stuff. No. And yeah, we never got to actually like the other characters. I really got to find out who that was or what that was all about. But uh, anyways, yeah, we don't have to talk about that. As uh, we had scribe pointed out our uh, one shot. Which yes, lasted oh, yeah, for six yeah. months. So, oh no, it was like saying. nine. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like nine. It was most of the pandemic. Yeah. Well, you know, Claire and I are are we're still running the one shot I started with them. Uh, you know, and it's a year and a half. Later. A year and a half later, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, it was a campaign. Um, but uh, yeah, so the way I met Claire, though, I mean, I I was actually thinking about the state because I was prepping for this, and I. Didn't realize like how long it's been since we've known each other. I mean, like relative to, I don't know. So we've known each other for how long now? Like three or four three years? years? Yeah. Um, I think it's about three. Yeah. And we, uh, we met in October. So mm-hmm. yeah. About three. Yeah. But uh, we've, uh, we met because a mutual friend of ours um, he introduced me to D and don't know if he introduced you to D and um, but not the concept. Okay, but I, I mean, yeah, I knew the concept. But he was—he was the—he was, was my first DM. Um, uh, shout out to Eric. Uh, go watch his streams on Fridays. Um, Nerdbotchery. Anyways, Eric's amazing. He introduced me to D and D, uh, and he was running this campaign—very long campaign, very big, grand scale thing. And uh, that's how Claire and I met. And ever since then, we just, like, kind of, I don't know, that we were kind of kindred spirit, spirits. I think we both recognized that we always wanted to go deeper with our characters and with um, all the little details that weren't necessarily, mm-hmm. like, big major plot points. Uh, like, we would, uh, well, actually, Claire you, Claire, you were the one that instigated this, and it was very fun, but... <laughs> you would schedule like one-on-one sessions with just you and I, where we would do like our care. It was just like our characters talking, right? Yeah. About yeah. like the events of the campaign. And it was Curse of Strahd. So it was like talking about all the horrible things that we've had been going through. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's sit down and talk about death and trauma together. Yes. Uh. yes. <laughs> it felt very good. It was, it was very it really nice to do that. Cause when we were, you know, we play the campaign, it was like, we're doing the story and, you know, we're, going through the, the dungeons, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so it was nice to have those moments, those quiet moments with each other. And uh, we've definitely continued that. And I know, Claire, you continue that in your games. I continue that in my games, really like making room for those quiet moments. So yeah, so, yeah that's how Claire and I met. We met through Eric and played in a game together. And then I decided to do a one shot, which we are still playing now. <laughs> so. At what point did you think that Cholt would be a one-shot? Oh, God. It's a campaign book. Well, so, no, the, the, the thing is, I didn't start it as Tomb of Annihilation. I started it as this little dungeon that I made on my own 
for a work campaign. Um, I was running a campaign through work and I built this little dungeon for them, had a lot of fun with it. And then I t was talking with Eric and I was like, hey, Eric, I know we're getting to the end of our campaign as a break. What if I ran a one shot? Because I was thinking about DMing it and it was like my first time, sort of first time doing it. Some of the folks in chat were actually the first people I ever DM'd for. But anyways, point is, it was meant to be like a one dungeon thing. And it just escalated and everybody, I mean, really thank you to the players. They all loved it and wanted to keep playing. And so, yeah, but yeah, basically that one shot, what ended up happening is because it was homebrew and I was like, I can't do an entire campaign of homebrew while I'm running two other games and all this stuff. So I just started taking the homebrew stuff and like s slowly weaving it into Tomb of Annihilation. And now we're pretty much just on track with the module. I mean, it's very different than the module. Some big things, very big changes, but yeah. Anyways, enough about that. Wait, so <laughs> did you say that you started doing a one shot and then you, like by the end of that one shot, you were running two other games in addition to that? Oh, I was doing it before that. So in conjunction with that, I was running two other games. So it was like, I was running two games, then started the one shot, was my, which was my third. Okay. And then that one shot continued to just become my third permanent game. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that escalated quickly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, uh, my my partner is very used to me. If, if, I, if I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do this one shot thing. Uh, she's always like... <laughs> <laughs> She's like, uh, how much are you getting into yeah, your knife? It's really a one shot. <laughs> um, well, anyway. Speaking of long term commitments, yeah. uh, Story Reckless itself. Um, I'm doing what now? It gave us a lot of wonderful questions. Yes. Um, Nathan, how did you decide on this adventure in particular as kind of our jumping off point here? Um, Good question. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of factors involved, but honestly, the biggest one was um, I saw that this module was coming out and I knew it was going to be a collection of shorter modules, like standalone adventures that could have like a beginning, middle and end within like a bite sized chunk. Um, and when I first came to Claire with the idea and Olive, I think I first came to Claire and then we like opened it up to Olive. We came to you, Olive, and we're like, do you want to do this with us? Uh, <laughs> but when I first came to Claire about it, um, you know, I was throwing out ideas of what to do. And then when we brought Olive in, I threw those ideas out. And one of them was, what if we do Candlekeep Mysteries? Because it's coming out in March and it's these standalone adventures and we kind of just fell on it because it felt like a perfect deadline <laughs> to basically <laughs> kick our asses into gear to be like we got to get this ready by march um and it, you know completely arbitrary right like we could have just kept putting it off and started it nah, once now once you have a deadline yeah gotta stick to it <laughs> exactly yeah and that was that was honestly that was probably the biggest reason why we chose candlekeep mysteries was because because it was topical it was topical and it was coming out um second biggest though of course was just the fact that it was standalone adventures and i liked the idea of 
oh, we can do these like short bite-sized things. Um, yeah. That being said, reading through it, um, there, there are definitely some great adventures in there I'm excited to, to see. But they definitely are standalone, and their um, connection to Candlekeep is very tenuous. Um, <laughs> so it's going to be a challenge moving forward, which I'm, I'm up for, but it's going to be a challenge moving forward, like stringing these together. Um, but that's still way less work than doing like doing homebrew. So uh, Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's my question. That's my answer. <laughs> uh, somebody else got a question? And uh, chat, by the way, feel free to post an uh, questions in chat as we go. We may end up um, pulling directly from chat. I, I kind of want to hear more about like the DM process here. So like, uh, Nigel McFerret asks, I enjoyed hearing the descriptions of the monsters and creatures, but I noticed that the descriptions don't typically match the D&D official art. What's your inspiration for your creations? <laughs> And or like body horror. Sure. <laughs> I love well, the body horror. I mean, yeah, body we horror. We haven't <laughs> done much of that in this campaign, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, that's. Uh, I mean, God, it comes from so many places. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I'm a film major for whatever that actually means but uh i i do enjoy film and um you know have watched a decent number of films but i have a very specific types of films that i do really enjoy and i love alien i love horror films and um things that are creepy and weird and disturbing um but for the inspirations for those uh there was definitely i was thinking of things like videodrome or the thing for um for the mimic which is I feel like pretty clear, especially the thing connections, uh, the pickles. <laughs> um, but for the mimic and spe specifically, uh, there was this video. There's a there's a, a content creator I think goes by the name of Mr. Rex. I think is the name, but but they post like all these videos that are these like deep dives into the like official lore of the creatures. And when we were when you encounter the mimic and I started reading the stat block, I saw the the thing where it's like, if you come into contact with it, it becomes sticky. Uh, you get like stuck to it. And then that immediately triggered that memory of that video I had watched slash listened to. I was like, oh yeah, I remember all of this deep dive lore into mimics and how they are actual creatures. Like, like it, I feel like it's really easy when I look when I look at the art or when I read the stat blocks. It's really easy to to view them almost in a, a cartoonish way that's very shallow. And it's like, oh, magic. Like, like they can turn into a chest because of magic, which is like totally acceptable. But I like to think about the like going further with that. Okay, sure, maybe it's magical, but. What is the like physical process that is occurring with this creature? Like if it ex actually existed in the world, why is its skin sticky? Well, it's an ambush predator. Why why is it able to look like a chair? What does it look like when it's not a chair? Like what are the features underneath? And yeah, the art says there's only one mouth or shows there's only being one mouth, but it was like that just happened in the moment where I wanted it to bite. I think it was irony. Irony, yeah. yeah, and uh, and and again, it was just kind of following the logic of the situation and very like 
you know, the improv method of, of yes and and just building on things where, oh, it already had Lovelace's arm, you know, <laughs> trapped, but I wanted to bite irony. I'll just have it grow another mouth. And that would be awesome as it just <laughs> like, you know, appears and, and peels forth. But yeah, the the visual inspiration I was definitely thinking about the thing and videodrome and uh the fly, things like that. So Yeah. I like I like your mental investigation into the context for why characters are the way they are. Um <laughs> for I guess other DMs out there, uh, I have really enjoyed uh, The Monsters Know What They're Doing, which is a blog and book by someone whose name I'm not going to remember at the moment. Oh, <laughs> it's um, okay. It's, it, it, I mean, if you look up the title, it'll, it, you'll Keith find Ammon. it. The, the name is large enough that I can just look over my shoulder and read it off my bookshelf. <laughs> um, but know what they're doing yeah um he also does a lot of like cultural and almost like occasionally geologic investigation and explanation of different creatures which has been very useful for running them in combat yeah that rules yeah yeah it's so cool it's is really it? good yeah the blog, the blog is worth like it, I actually want to pick up the book, but yeah, if if you ever um, just just reading the blog is worth it. If if you're ever running a game and you need to like have inspiration of how to run a creature, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna pull a question here from uh, same user from I'm doing what now, um, which is addressed to both you, Claire, and Olive. Uh, what were your inspirations for Gadam and Lovelace? Characters as well as uh, class choices. More specifically for me, I, I would like to hear the broad answers first, but I want to know why all of you picked a centaur, but maybe save that for later. <laughs> <laughs> um, two years ago, I picked up Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. And that is exactly the kind of stuff that I uh context <laughs> um, explanations for why things are the way they are uh and specifically reading the descriptions of various elven deities was really gripping for me um i'm going to be a little bit vague because we haven't gotten into kidam's religious beliefs or lack thereof yet but um there was what? there was one in particular. Hmm. Ah, there's stuff I haven't told you all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but there was one deity in particular uh, that struck me, um, and I started thinking about this this like I had a tag in my head of like uh, this elven grave cleric I'll play eventually. Um, and then once, and I, and then, and then Nathan DM'd me for the first time. And I was like, I want Nathan to be my DM for this character. Hmm. Hey. And now here we are. Kadam is who they are. Uh, but that was, that was how it started two years ago, reading Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, go ahead. 
Yeah, and like as far as Lovelace goes, um, I, it was like very much a character that I designed in like relation to Kidan, um, where Claire was obviously like very enthusiastic and like had this like super strong idea of like what they wanted Kidam to be. Um, and so like one of the things that I do like in design, like one of my favorite questions or like techniques is like whenever you have something and you want to make that thing seem like something, you just put it right next to a thing that is its opposite. So it's like the, yeah. you make a character feel short by pairing them with like a really big character or like the short one is like usually the talkative one and then the big character is like quiet, like those sorts of stereotypes um, are like really effective at like kind of like driving home the emotion that you want to feel. Um, and so if Kidam was this like very much like character about transitions and people like moving between like life and death and non-existence to existence and like very much like a person in flux and helping other people go through like changes my first idea is like okay somebody who doesn't change at all what if i play like a golem um and like i don't know like that didn't really quite stick um yeah yeah just like kind of kind of like a foil um and so like we were talking about it more and i just like claire what kind of character do i play in games you play strong, angry women. It's great. Wow, weird. <laughs> and so, like, since that kind of, like, slid off, like, I went back to, like, my comfort zone of, like, for me, D&D &D is, like, very much, like, a queer power fantasy. Um, like, I'm a very non-confrontational person by nature. Um, and so, like, playing D&D &D and getting to like yell at folks and be like, no, this is reality. And I can back it up with this here fireball. <laughs> um, is something that like has helped me grow as a person a lot over the last like year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. And we've been like playing lots of one shots and stuff. Uh, and I feel like if I play the same character archetype as like the same race and class, that's like too much repeating myself. So like, I was like varying it a lot. I almost went with a minotaur, like yeah. centaurs. Like I, I guess I haven't ever seen them played before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember, and I remember when you you asked me it, and I had to really think about like, are we gonna do this? Are we gonna have a centaur? Um, but. I think one thing that helped me was knowing that the size of your centaur is like mm -hmm. this like compact centaur um and that kind of like helped um make it seem feasible to me like like it's like a, a deer or goat size body yeah, uh-huh and like that seemed like okay well a, a, a creature like that like will be able to not have to worry so much about the logistics of you going into spaces that are designed for typical humanoid sizes mm -hmm. uh, i mean if you ever go to like a halfling or a gnome settlement like i don't know i mean even kadam would have a hard time but man <laughs> it's kind of, i mean we've or, already or, seen that come up in play though right yeah. it's like yeah i couldn't go up into the attic yeah that was a yeah. ladder this yeah. space was not built for me yeah 
Oh yeah, if you ever go to like an Aarakocra settlement, oh boy. Uh... <laughs> oh, God, like I would love that because then like I guess like Kidam would have to live with the sorts of things that like I live with, mm-hmm. like, or Lovelace lives with, uh-huh. like all the time. Where it's just like the basic architecture of how things are laid out depend on like capabilities that your body does not have. Right. Yeah. We're getting to accessibility issues here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it's not that it's not yeah. that Lovelace is weird or different somehow inherently. It's just that the world has not been built for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody asked uh what was that? Somebody asked how Lovelace feels about ladders. Well, yes, that was Winged Scribe. Yeah, that was Winged Scribe. They act, yeah, they, and they asked, when did you first encounter ladders? Mm-hmm. So I think ladders are like Lovelace just like has ladders grouped in with like all these other things like stairs, um, like small buildings, like just as information of like this place was not built for me, and it tells me about something about who the people who live in it are thinking about um and chairs yeah um and yeah uh she probably encountered them first uh she grew up in a moldering castle uh far away from Baldur's gate uh, so there was probably just like among the other parts of that castle that like just weren't really useful for her or the other centaurs mm-hmm. um I really quickly wanted to go back to something you said, because, like, uh, although I haven't, you, you talked about how D&D for you is, is this, um, almost this, like, power fantasy, this, like, queer power fantasy, to be able to say no and to be able to to back up your claims and, and be confrontational with people, right? And and, and it's it's funny, because, um, you know, I haven't personally had the, the feeling of playing it as a queer power fantasy, but I've I've had the same experience of someone who does struggle with confrontation and struggles with being able to even express myself sometimes and like what I want or what I'm comfortable with. I mean, this happens to me constantly where things happen and I don't, I may not be comfortable with it and I'm just sitting there, "Ah, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I've had the same thing with D&D where it felt very therapeutic to play it. for that reason, to just feel safe and okay with yeah. saying no or standing up for myself or whatever, right? Um, yeah, I, I, it's... I've definitely had like moments in this last year where I was like having some kind of like interpersonal problem where like my boundaries were getting crossed and like I could see like myself going down my usual routes of just mm-hmm. being like, okay, I'll just like eat my discomfort and just like put my walls up and like retreat from it mm-hmm. um but then i'm like no what would kira do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what would any of my other strong female characters yeah. do i get uh, a big two-hander i mean yeah i uh w- when i very first started playing D I would have the same thoughts about what would zog do i would they would happen all the time um just what would zog do like how can i embody that feeling i have when i play this character where i do mm-hmm. feel confident i do feel like i can stand up to some like scary ass person and just be like no we're not like you can't do that that's not okay like 
that's just not okay. <laughs> and I, I love this. Okay, so this is going to be a total tangent. But that's okay. I am that's the what master of my for. destiny. <laughs> um, so, like, I've been reading things recently about people or like artists kind of grappling with this issue of like, what is the role of art when the world's on the brink of, I don't know, apocalypse? Yeah. Um, and this one article I read was about like the Hunger Games and how like it's all about this like rebel group fighting like power structures. Mm -hmm. um, and it lets you come out of having read it being like, yeah, like I have this feeling of catharsis. Mm -hmm. um, but like one of their observations was that catharsis is a feeling of rest um, and inaction mm -hmm. as opposed to like, what would art that like actually like makes you uncomfortable and like pushes you to like take actions. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, like uh, yeah. there is something to be said for like art that is like a refuge um, but something that's really magical about D and D is that you get to have catharsis and like fighting those power structures, but actually like embody them. And you mm -hmm. like, you know, what like the body feeling of like you producing the resistance feels like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No. The, I, yeah. <laughs> what's the term for that? The, the internal body feeling of a situation or emotion i don't know uh oh i don't know if it's visceral that maybe i don't know yeah that's not really it but i'm it's this the term i'm looking for is like semi-academic yeah we'll see if i come up with it <laughs> yeah i'm sure somebody um, in chat will be like it's this <laughs> yeah but uh the yeah the the bodily feeling of whatever you're experiencing in the game is real mm -hmm. like the situation that you are in i would argue is semi-real because you are present and experiencing it both in your body and uh it becomes memory which then becomes part of who you are mm -hmm. uh but that you can have these experiences in much safer lower stakes situations and then you have practice doing the hard thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can take it out and apply it to higher stakes situations. Yeah. Like, role play is, oh, it's so, I think, can be so <laughs> important and influential in how to train yourself in specific thought patterns and actions that you want to have. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I have very like, vivid clear memories of moments in games where i like stood up to someone or you know something like that and like yeah like, yeah and it was scary it was scary to do it and then even in role yeah. play yeah and i do like yeah like uh, as no one's hero pointed out even sometimes when you're dropped naked into a temple full of uh, serpent people worshiping a serpent deity um you know even that can be really scary uh just as real life can be oh yeah <laughs> even when you're playing oh, yeah. it <laughs> And you have real stress that comes up. Um, and actually kind of going off of that, uh, another question to both of you, um, uh, again from uh, I'm doing what now? Um, so both of you nearly ran into a TPK situation, uh, which for me as well was was new. 
Uh, <laughs> they are wondering in your other D&D experiences, have you ever been a part of a TPK? Uh, if not, what was the closest you ever came to one? And what was that experience like for both of you? My first reaction to this question was, when were we in a TPK situation? I think they were referring the to the mimic. mimic. Yeah. The mimic, yeah. It was when Irony had to like bust out his 2D6 cantrip. Yeah. Or 2D8. Yeah. But then I, you know, realized. But even in that moment, I was. Kadam thought they had the situation in hand. Uh huh. And looking back on that, <laughs> we didn't really. <laughs> No. But Kidok thought that they were going to be okay, and so that's what I was thinking at the time. <laughs> I feel like you and Lovelace had very different experiences, uh, memories of that situation. <laughs> For one, Kidom's is longer. Yeah. yeah. Lovelace has some brief memories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've never, I think, even come close to a TPK. There's been, like, scary parts where it's like dicey um i don't know if like any dm i was about to say like any dm has like let us come close but like we just haven't come up into a situation where like the scale start started to like tip in that yeah. way right because there's this positive feedback loop if like one person goes down yeah everybody goes down mm-hmm. yeah uh i haven't experienced a tpk yet um but i have experienced plenty of uh, plenty of player deaths. Um, character deaths. Character deaths. Sorry, deaths. thank you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> character deaths. Thank you. Yes, I've experienced plenty of character deaths. Um, and yeah, every time it happens, it's always really hard. Um, in most cases, I feel like I can see it coming. Well, not even actually. There's been um, plenty where I've just been knocked off my feet like I was not expecting it. Uh, my first, very first ever character deaths, uh, I believe two of the people in chat were, were uh, one of them was one of the characters who died. <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, it was the very first time I ever ran a, a dragon and uh, <laughs> did, did, a, did a breath attack and I basically rolled, yeah, rip Jeff. Uh, basically rolled uh, fives and sixes on their breath attack, and oh man, it just it, it, it killed them in one hit. It did, it did, you know, over their max damage, and uh, yeah, it was an intense moment, but um, honestly, those moments I as sad as they can be, and as hard as they can be, I think they just they really add a lot to the, to the game and the story. I really think they do. They really can. I'm never going to gun to kill characters. I'm never going to try to kill characters. But when Thanks. it happens, yeah. <laughs> but when it happens, my God, it just, like, it just makes, yeah. yeah. Ooh, mind flare. I've been part of a TPK. Oh, yeah? You have? Yeah, once, yes. Wow. Um, uh, the DM was, the party had split up, of course. Um, I think I know and... what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, Nathan, you were you were part of the group that wasn't with my yes. character. Yes. Uh, uh, but there were just two of us that had branched off, and we wanted to accomplish this specific task. And the DM was like, "Look, this is going to be almost impossible. It's not going to be impossible, <laughs> but it's 
it's gonna be darn hard. <laughs> um, and also, like you could, you can accomplish this and still die. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciated the straightforwardness with which our DM was honest about the situation and gave us in an in-game chance to turn around. Yeah. Um, it very much felt like we knew what we were getting into and that we were choosing to try to do this really hard thing. That's awesome. How did that turn out for you? We died. <laughs> Oops. Um, my character almost got away. <laughs> uh. Did you accomplish the thing? Yes and no, right? Sort of. We bought the rest of the group a lot more time. Yeah. Um, I really... Actually, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so that reminded me of the time in your campaign. We were playing Dead and Fae, um, where we Heavily also split the party. Dead and Fae. Heavily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was actually Nathan's and my character, so both Sharp and Kira. <laughs> uh, so, like, kind of the Kira's character arc was this, like, kind of heart of darkness where she was kind of, she just elected herself the leader of the group and started, like, ordering people around and was just, like, pushing people to go, like, as fast and as far as possible on, like, few resources. And so she took Sharp ahead to go to the next room. And they were like shadow creatures and she had to like spend like her remaining spell slots for the day. Um, like some huge explosions, but yeah, I was very worried about the two of you. <laughs> it was also, they were also um, strength draining, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, like, we both were like, I think the lowest strength characters in the party. And we went off in this room where yep. they were all draining our strength by ourselves and everybody else was far away and couldn't hear us. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was the whole thing. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I wanted to quickly acknowledge uh, curmudgeonly, curmudgeonly corncob. Uh, yes. That sounds terrible. I really hope one day to, uh, to run a mind flare because I think they're really cool, but they are terrifying. And yeah, to encounter mind flares. Yeah, I really, really want to run a mind flare someday. I would love to even do a campaign just like centered on mind flares. I think it'd be cool. Anyways, uh, I, I like mechanics like that though. So both yeah. the shadow creatures and the mind flare uh -huh. like, stat drains as like alternate ways to die because like totally. yeah, we get so complacent with our hit points. Yes. Yes. Also, uh, maybe a little harsher, but when things uh, fuck with your equipment, that can be really scary for players as well. Rust monsters. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I I wanted to quickly pull a question from chat uh, from Tiny Valkyrie. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, do y'all play other TTRPGs besides D&D? Um, we do. Uh, in fact, I think, at least for me, I've only played one other TTRPG, um, and it is with the two of you. Uh, I don't know if have have either of you played other RPGs uh, tabletops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I have played uh, Lasers and Feelings once, which is a, a very fun one pager that's essentially play Star Trek. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and then I don't know if this counts, but Nathan and I have played a D and D. Oh, uh, that. You know what? <laughs> That's where we started. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my first experience as a player was Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, the 1976 version? I, I think, I mean, it was heavily modified it by was the heavily DM, modified. But yes, yeah. Because it doesn't work if it's not that 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. I yeah. There, there, there. I'm really happy I got my first experience uh, playing AD and D, um, but I'm also very happy to be in fifth edition now. Um, yeah, the other tabletop that we played together um, is Monster Hearts, and that's the only other. Uh, yeah. The only other tabletop I've played. Um, I loved it so much. Um, I was the MC for it. Um, but I, after doing that, though, I'm like really, really curious now to try other tabletops because Same. it was so refreshing. Um, like as as much as I love D and D, and I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon in my life. But having those other tabletops coming in, it just it, it was like a palate cleanser. It was like... God, like, the thing I love about them so much is just, like, the core design philosophy of, like, when you fail a dice roll, things should still happen. It's not just, yeah. like, roll perception. You don't see anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the story is not going anywhere. Totally. Then. Yeah, and I've ado- I've tried to adopt that philosophy yeah. into, into D&D because um, it's, it's, it's brilliant. Like, and also just really thinking about when you ask people to roll dice like Mm -hmm. if they're rolling dice make sure you know why like there has to be a reason and like some kind of consequence for failure and a consequence for success and the thing that i like especially i still do it and especially when i started that i always ran into was um asking people to make a check and i still do this and and every time it happens i go "Ah," and i make a mental note but ask people to make a check they fail it uh, and then I go, well, crap, I, I don't know what to do now. Like, I, I only had the, the success in mind. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and and then, yeah, all of, like you said, sometimes I end up just going, okay, well, nothing happens. You know, and it's like, if you can try to think of a way to to reveal something. Fail forward. Yes. Yeah. Like, like with insight checks, like, I, I wonder if, you know, trying to, instead of saying, oh, you can't really tell and, you know, maybe keep try to keep a straight face and give them the wrong information so that they you know they they act they like they act on something that's not there it's that it's Mm -hmm. that classic misinterpreting what somebody said or how somebody you know um another way i've seen it done is um specifically for D &D kind of tackling this i've been watching a lot of dimension 20 um Mm. on dropout uh it's amazing first off um, and I feel like it doesn't get talked about as much because like it's kind of in the dropout um, ecosystem. So you have to like have an account and stuff, but it's so worth it. Um, just like the <laughs> production value fair is bit on incredible. Hmm? You can also watch a fair bit on YouTube. Oh, I didn't know that. All of my Dimension 20 stuff on YouTube. It's so good. Just like the miniatures and like their props team is just mm-hmm. stellar. And that's um, in, the anyway, something. Is- is it Brennan? Uh, yeah, Brennan Lee yeah. Mulligan. Lee Mulligan. He's amazing. Yeah. Just like his yeah. variety of voices. Yeah. Um, but like something that he does a lot is on skill check failures. Uh, they like still can like do it, but like maybe they take some damage. Mm. Um, that's like a really common one mm. of like, okay, you roll athletics, you fail, and like you're able to like kind of stumble over like a table or whatever but you take some damage and just like mm-hmm. using that as like just like another like a way to kind of um soften the like success failure dichotomy mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Um, It's like you succeed, but with consequences. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. Which like a lot of other TTPRGs have built into their like rules from the get go. Right. Honestly, the best. Yeah. I think the best time I have ever. Nathan, you helped me fail forward once. Um, I rolled a zero on a perception check. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And you didn't answer my question of what was around at all. You immediately diverted my attention to my NPC crush and gave me a very detailed description <laughs> of like light on her face and then her like noticing me and turning her attention to me. And we yeah. ended up having this like little conversation between the two of us that built on the character's relationship. Yeah. And I don't. I don't even remember what I was asking what was around us. Like, yeah, that's... <laughs> I didn't see it, whatever it was. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And that was uh, that was the morning uh, or, like, afternoon when you arrived back at the that camp. And then mm-hmm. I think that night you and that person had, like, uh, had your, your date. Um, yes. So, yeah. We like, up that night. Yeah. So it, like, <laughs> led to, like, a whole trajectory... That's I. That's funny. I didn't. I'm glad you remembered that. <laughs> I I remember that moment, but I actually didn't remember what led to it. I didn't realize it was a, it was a failure. <laughs> yeah, it was me rolling a zero. Yeah, roll zero to date. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Because you do. You, was that with inquiry? So you have a negative one to your perception. That's my perception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That was. Um, uh, in one of our other games, the player had a negative uh, dex mod, and they rolled initiative, and I think they rolled a one, so they got a negative one, I think, was their initiative. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was Torbjorn, actually, the, the yeah. dwarf that you all met. The um, librarian. The librarian, yes. Um, awesome. I want to list the TTRPGs that I've yeah. played also. So I've played D&D. Yeah. I've been playing since, like been playing i've owned the source books and then never played um since like 3.0 um so both like high school friends uh in that kind of like era i played D 4 briefly um at like a game shop in college and now D 5e with all y'all um i've also played blades in the dark uh which tiny valkyrie mentioned um which I got introduced to by the Friends at the Table podcast, um, another amazing group of folks to check out. Um, and then also Blades in the Dark, uh, not Blades in the Dark, Lasers and Feelings, which Tiny Valkyrie is actually emceeing for me oh. every Thursday, um, and another friend. Um, also, this, like, we played this, like, one table session game called Icarus. Mm. Um, and it's like this game where you, like, it's a story about a community um, kind of like growing closer and closer, like towards the sun or like towards some goal. Uh-huh. And you like represent it by this physically like stacking dice on top of each other. And if at any point during the game, the dice fall over, then it's like, okay, time to wrap up. The story's over. That's so um, cool. And like dice get added as you do things. Oh yeah. God. It's quite good. There, there's another, uh, there's two tabletops I want to explore. One, um, I think it would just be fun exercise. Uh, I think the Adventure Zone is doing it right now to help do their world building. Um, and I cannot remember the name of it. 
so I'll have to look it up later. Um, but that one seems really cool because it is a tabletop specifically designed for world building. The Quiet Year. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what it's called, The Quiet Year, because you play a, a year um, as a community and each turn is one week and you like slowly build out a world map as you play and like events happen and all this stuff. So that sounds really fun. And then the other one, don't know the name of it, but it reminded me of the what you just talked about, the Icarus one. Uh, the whole game, everybody goes into it knowing that by the end of the session, everybody dies. <laughs> so the whole game is about uh, like just leading up to this moment of your character's death. Um, and I don't know how it all plays out, but I just thought that was a really interesting and kind of morbidly delightful uh <laughs> game that i would love to try That's yeah true. um yeah I... i'd be interested to get into more questions about more uh detailed and specific decisions that we all made or like yeah character choices absolutely um do you have one in particular well uh all of for you from me um, <laughs> if you are willing to answer it i would love to know why lovelace feels so protective of kidam um, and why she swore to protect them in the first place yeah so i think kidam so lovelace thinks that kidam doesn't know i think how much good they do in the world like hmm. lovelace sees kidam as kind of like this passive, like just treating the folks who like show up on their door, but then like feeling kind of like emo about it. <laughs> um, and like, but sees like kind of the trajectories of folks before they reach Kadam have like their life hanging in the balance, like especially like with births and deaths, like these like. Their like lives can like go one way or, or another, and Kidam is just like there, holding their hand on the scale, and like making it go good. And then like these folks like go off and like might be part of the community or something. But like Lovelace has just seen this happen over and over again, um, and wants to make sure that Kidam's still around to do that. Well, I uh, certainly do appreciate it. <laughs> I do enjoy the whole the whole living thing. So uh <laughs> Yeah, that's that's interesting. As a as a mix of traits to view a single person with. I'm I'm interested to see how that will progress or change or not. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like Lovelace you know, sees Kadam as this, like, this very important, prominent member in the community. And if they were to suddenly be gone, I don't know, that community could, could crumble or people that Lovelace cares about, you know, may not be able to, I don't know, maybe they, like, maybe, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Olive? Does Lovelace think about anyone that, that is important in their lives? And if Kadam wasn't there, maybe they wouldn't be with Lovelace anymore? Yes, and I want them to show up through gameplay. 
it's mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of a bombshell. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's something somebody in Lovelace's life who wouldn't be there if Kidam hadn't been there at the time. So there's almost a uh, <laughs> uh, what like a a life debt going on, um, sort of, but. Mm. But I, I kind secondary. of want, I want to like stay away from. So something that I want to be like really careful about playing mm-hmm. the barbarian mm-hmm. is like, like the kind of like tropes of like the savage mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. me really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um. And yeah, things like life debt. It's kind of too close for that. I'm trying to like really steer away from kind of like the unthinking brute. Or like yeah, yeah, yeah. communing, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that makes um, sense. I appreciate that too. Yeah, it, it's nice to see those different interpretations of uh, of of those very tropey classes that you know mm. you see all throughout D anD. d Something, something that I'm, I I was realizing kind of partway through this first adventure is that both you and I, Olive, really integrated our characters into communities. And here, the introduction to the audience is of them entirely out of context, out of context of so much of what they mm-hmm. consider to be part of themselves. Um, and I'm, I'm intrigued to see what will come forward once they're back in context of the outer city of Baldur's Gate? But like, we're playing Candlekeep Adventures. <laughs> like, we're basically asking Nathan to go do another uh, homebrew. Well, no, I'm all uh, so. <laughs> I am already preparing to go back to Baldur's Gate. Um, I have the uh, the Descent into Avernus module, which has like a huge section about Baldur's Gate. Like a, a, what do they call it? A gazetteer or something. It's just like a big, you know. Um, so I've been doing all my prep for the past week has been about Baldur, about Baldur's Gate, um, and yeah, we'll see. The adventure may lead us there, anyways. Um, but I want to get you both back to Baldur's Gate. I want the audience to see you both at home. I want to see that interaction with the people you know and the city that you've grown up in and i mean Baldur's gate is just like rich with so many problems <laughs> so, <laughs> um yeah and i think that um i think that even if it's just a a kind of an aside i think it's going to add more to to later adventures because so, like now uh the audience will have that extra context of Kadam and Lovelace in their home and the people they know and the people they care about and yeah and it gives me opportunity to like I don't know raise the stakes if if need be things like that we'll give you some things that we care about yeah. DM yeah. what will you do with them no I ah, I, won't, threatened. I won't kill any of your families unless it makes sense for some reason um thanks <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's what I'm most interested in. Does it make sense? Does it tell a good story? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It needs to make sense and it needs to tell a good story. Yes, yes, so silly, oh, your cousin. I'm so sorry. Um, so, uh, I, I actually had a question for Kadam that 
Um, we, we actually kind of posted in our Instagram post, but I do actually want to know um, what Kadam's feelings on killing are and why did Kadam react so strongly to killing a demon? I mean, like, yeah, it was clearly exhibiting, it was like making pain sounds and all this and, you know, maybe, and, and we kind of established that Kadam doesn't really understand the intricacies of outer planes and what happens to demons and outer planar creatures, but I just want to hear you talk about that experience from Kadam's perspective and like... Yeah. Frankly, I was surprised by how concerned Kidam was both about people dying and about them killing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think those are two different things for them. Mm -hmm. um, generally speaking, people dying, I mean, that's, that's normal. People die. That's, that's one of the things that people do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, death in and of itself is not something to to be afraid of or to consider anathema. Um, Kadam certainly has feelings about ways to die. Mm -hmm. Um mostly along the lines of, well, you, it's, it's best to die in the way that you think it's best to die. Um, whether that be in your sleep, surrounded by family or on the battlefield in glory, like whatever floats your boat. Um, but they suddenly are struggling with the question of whether they have killed a person. Mm. Previously, they have helped people die people who were just you know, too sick or injured to lead any decent quality of life, mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. But they have never, to their knowledge, taken the life of someone who clearly didn't want it to be taken from them. Right. Um, and they aren't certain how much of a person this fiend was. Mm -hmm. is they certainly have no clue about various outer planes things that claire has context for yeah yeah um yeah uh they are upset certainly they previously to killing the demon were relieved that they had not been attacked by any people in the the mansion like all of these were enchanted objects or <sighs> mimics who knows what, i mean that's <laughs> as far as they're concerned that's also an enchanted object yeah. sort of yeah um, <laughs> they felt mildly guilty for destroying a bunch of books but killings another thing entirely um i i got it going off of that um winged scribe asked uh, how did kadam feel about the graffiti that they left in the mansion <laughs> You know, people's lives and livelihood and well-being are far more important than the preservation of property. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I loved that you did that, and I just, I was not connecting the dots until you did it. I was like, okay, sure, yeah, 
paintbrush ink. Okay, I don't, I don't know why you want it. I thought it was like here. It's like you're not a wizard, but I don't know. I saw the light bulb go off. I knew it was coming a mile away. Yeah, I don't know what. I just, I think I, I was, you know, I was thinking about all the other yeah. things, and so when it happened, I was surprised. I was like, oh, that's why you wanted that, um, and that was so good. Speaking of enchanted objects, yeah. Uh, Caitlin Amy Bailey asks, I want to know, I have this deep curiosity, what was the broom? Why was that room there? We didn't need it. Tell us about the broom, Nathan. Tell us yes, about the broom, what's Nathan. the story with the broom? Um. <laughs> what? Well, I guess, sure, uh, I, you know, I doubt we'll ever go back to that mansion, maybe, and if you do, I'm sure it would be revealed. Um. Yeah, I mean, the broom is there because it was in the module. And because, uh, I don't know, I interpreted it. It doesn't really say why it's there, really. It's one of those things where it leaves it up to interpretation. Um, but what I interpreted it as is this person who, who created this mansion. Um, they put that broom in there, this enchanted broom, and it's, it's basically a D&D Roomba. Because that room is, it's like a training room. Um, that, like there were the scorch marks on the ground. There were all the uh, weapons on the walls. Um, so they would go in there and they seem to either be some sort of spellcaster or maybe they're an artificer. I don't know. Well, you don't, both of you don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, they go in there and they do training and make a mess. And then they have this enchanted broom that just cleans it up. So wait. If we had gone in there, it wasn't like a challenge or anything. It would have just like hung out. It would have just kept doing its thing. Nothing would have happened. Unless, of course, you tried to fuck with it. That's so good. If you I tried... love that we just yeah. fled from the broom. It was great. Yeah, no, if you if you had uh if you had tried to fuck with it, like like tried to grab it or whatever, it would have smacked you and it can do decent damage and it also has like um an ability uh certain flying creatures have it. it's called like flyby i think mm -hmm. so it can mm -hmm. attack you without provoking an opportunity attack and just like fly yeah. out of your range so it would have been really annoying and maybe even potentially deadly if you tried to keep fighting it but um again uh the way i like the way i run the games the way i try to run the games if you had tried to fuck with it i probably would have had it smack you once and go back to sweeping and then if you kept fucking with it it would have kept defending itself but i suspect you as players i feel like you probably even if you had fucked with it and it smacked you you probably both would have gone okay and <laughs> probably would have backed away <laughs> unless unless you know it was like i don't know clearly guarding a book or something you know like something like that mm -hmm. but um i get the sense both of you 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 both interact with the world's the the worlds that i'm presenting to you like very logically and like um and you do what whenever you make a choice it feels like grounded in what the character would do and not necessarily um like you're divorcing yourself from the the player knowledge like you said claire with the the, the closet being killed mm -hmm. so uh and that was another thing kind of a little tangent going off of that is yeah i i i did modify this adventure quite a lot and the closet was meant to just be sitting in one room as a toad in its toad form 
And again, it was just meant to be sitting in that room. And if you went in there, it attacks you. And that's it. That's 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 all the closet was meant to do. That's all it ever was meant to do in the original module. It was like such a, a side thought. It wasn't a thing. So, yeah. It was such the big bad evil guy. <laughs> and I, yeah, yeah. I love that. And that was the funniest thing is that it's a closet. It's like 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 if both of you gang up on it, which we saw when Kadam managed to grab it and cast inflict wounds, like that's it. It's gone. Like, you know, it's not it's not actually that threatening or dangerous. I like hit it like three times though. So it does it does have resistance to non-magical weapons. So yeah. yeah, when you were hitting it with non-magic attacks, it but the audience saw this. You got it down to two hit points, and it was so close to being dead. And I was so heartbroken because I wanted to do the like, you know, people get making the joke. Yeah, people get making the joke of like, oh, it's alien. I think you first made the joke about it being alien and uh, and like Twisted Beauty and the Beast. And I wanted that. I wanted that story of something in the house lurking in the house and you're, you know, don't know where it is. And yeah, I have a question for our viewers, actually. Yeah. What what is it like to be able to see the world like when lovelace is like i'm gonna walk into this room <laughs> like and like seeing it just be like a minefield of like hands and like, oh, yeah. bad pickles like what's that like yeah i would love to hear that from uh, our viewers um i'm sure it'll start trickling in um I mean, yeah, it was pretty funny when you <laughs> stepped into that room and then the, the, all the hands were sitting there and you just, like, went into the middle of them. Uh, so good. Um, no here says that Nathan Vision is fantastic and stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hard, yeah, thank yeah. you for not putting spoilers in chat. I deeply appreciate that because I am looking at chat, but not at... The, the the screen not uh, not of the stream itself yeah. yes thank you so much um i i mean if if this thing that we're all doing here which we really enjoy doing if it ever does grow even further i'm i may have to look into some alternative because if we did have a bunch of people in chat that didn't know not to comment i could totally see people you know trolling and just you know posting stuff but but for now um Working yeah. great. Working great. I really appreciate how active chat is. Yes. That was mm -hmm. frankly not something that I really thought about entering into this. Um, most of the streams I watch have so many followers that you can't participate in chat. Mm -hmm. um, and there's no conversation. Mm -hmm. But having... Like having the cats. Yes. Yeah. The cats named was such a good like back and forth. It was. It made me so and happy. I do enjoy seeing commentary from folks. And yeah, this was just an aspect of streaming that I just hadn't considered to be an option. And I'm finding that I am surprised and delighted by it. Yeah, it's really, it's really great. Like as much as I love doing, um, you know, doing live theater, like that, that nothing will ever replace that, that electricity that you get in a, in a room. Yeah. But this is its own thing. And this is like really cool to see that like very direct response to what we're doing and, and be able to like read what people are reacting to and what they're saying. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, 
Yeah. And speaking about names, I, I am going to keep... Um, I'm trying to keep notes of names that get posted that I don't end up using. Like, I think it was like Francesca and Bertha were two. That, uh-huh. yeah. I, I have that NPC down in my notes as Samantha Michelle. So Samantha Michelle, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they're Samantha now because I think I said in their voice that they were Samantha. So yeah. Okay, well, I'll just cross off Michelle. Yeah. yeah. That's from the Monster Hearts game. It is, yes. Deep. Yeah, uh, sorry, reckless lore there. Yeah, yeah. Samantha was the... she was my crush. Yeah, she turned out to be a monster, even before she became a monster. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how it goes. Yeah. Um, any other questions from the two of you or from chat? Um, I think we're probably going to go on the shorter side tonight. We're kind of just mm-hmm. feeling it out, but. So anything that people are dying to know or from either of you, if any, either of you are dying to know anything. Winged Scribe did ask, would us taking the imp back into I wanted to do that so counted? bad and it just didn't really like roll in that direction as a thing to do. Uh-huh. Yeah, what oh man, I out don't... Of the building? Yeah, I did not think that through. And I was so terrified. I know. I was so terrified making that deal because I know that making deals, like devils making deals, that devils are going to be smarter than me at making deals. (laughs) And I am just not great at that stuff. So that was very stressful for me trying to figure out like the wording of it and like, um, God, I honestly, I probably, it probably would have counted um, because it was technically out of the building. uh, And that would have been hilarious and awesome. Um, Yeah, honestly, I probably would have rolled with it. And then you just would have had a really pissed off imp and a new, like, nemesis. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that's how you get nemesized. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to get a promotion fast if he wants to keep up with our our leveling. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think that probably what I would have done, this is probably how I would have played it. With an imp, sure, that would have worked. Had it been a greater devil, like something a higher rank, and you had done that, I probably would have done the thing, it's maybe a bit of a cop-out, but I probably would have done the thing that, like, there was some fine print that accounted for that. Because, again, these creatures are smarter than I am in most cases, and it's just so hard for me to think of those details on the spot. Mm-hmm. But in keeping with the lore of like what these creatures are supposed to be, I would have considered doing that. Um, but at the same time, I also don't want to punish players for being clever. So it's like, yeah. it's kind of a balance of like, uh, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's tricky. Um, but yeah, with the imp, absolutely. I think I would have just just gone for that like that would have been great uh yeah i mean yeah that imp is still flying around in candlekeep so imagine we have not seen the last of fred <laughs> fred the imp <laughs> yeah gotta love these loose plot threads yeah <laughs> really. um cool well any other questions otherwise i think we're probably getting to the end here um, 
I just wanted to briefly touch on, I know nobody really asked it, but I kind of started talking about it a little bit, just the way that I did change the module, um, just because I think it's maybe interesting for people to know. I want to know. Yeah, uh, Matreus wasn't supposed to be dead, so he, he was a character that you meet um, in the original module. Uh, and... Yeah, he so the way the module goes originally is that you basically again it was it was very like loose structure on like how you get into that room. And it was basically like you go into that room because somehow you get led to that room like, oh Matreus is in here. And it's like implied that whoever the guide is just like lets you in and then walks away. And so it's like you walk into the room, there's nobody in there, and then it's supposed to be you trying to figure out where's Matreus, and then you find the book, say the command word, get into the mansion. And he's like right on the other side of the door, and he's just That's been, assuming a lot about it's assuming, what your players are going to do. Yes, it's assuming quite a lot about what your players are going to do, which is why, knowing both of you, I was like, <laughs> I cannot do this because I, I I'm pretty certain that what Claire will do <laughs> is Claire's going to go grab somebody in charge and be like, be like, hey, <laughs> the person we're looking for isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I'm not going to force you to do what you're, you know, so, oh man. Kadam absolutely would have done that. Yeah, and it, well, that, that was the thing, like, I, like if it was inquiry, maybe, like... And, oh, and, she would have gone for it. Yeah, and then, like, for you, Olive, like, I, I didn't know enough about your character. I was like, it, mm -hmm. anyways, there was so much left up to chance for you to just start the adventure. So, uh, yeah, so I heavily modified it to have it so that, like, there's the guide who, I mean, that's, like... In the module, you can get guides, but having the guide take you there, having it be like a, a young, you know, teenager, so that they're going to make dumb decisions and basically facilitate this adventure. And then the fact that when you get in the room and there's nobody there, they don't immediately run and get somebody. They're like, kind of like, oh, what is this? And like trying to like take things into their own hands. Um, but yeah, Matreus was supposed to be on the other side of the door. And you open the door and enter, and he goes, oh, there you are. And he's, he's like, basically saying random command words trying to figure out what the command word is to, to exit and again the adventure implies that he walked in the door locked and then he turned around and then sat there for an hour attempting to do this because he doesn't know anything about the puzzle books or any of that um so yeah i i decided that i i wanted him to be dead <laughs> in there um and that he inadvertently let the closet out and that the closet was the thing that killed him um, and that the closet was the thing that trashed the place and threw all the puzzle books in places they weren't supposed to be. Because again, in the actual module, those puzzle books are around, and you do find like a little thing from Fistandia saying like, oh, if you need to leave, just say the command word, which are hidden on puzzle books throughout the mansion. And it was like, why would they do that? <laughs> like, why, <laughs> why would they put the puzzle book in a room with a, like a chained library that can kill you like what is like what, who is this person like, yeah so i i did a lot of modifications to um using the closet and um yeah and and Matreus does die in the original module he he steps out and the imp appears and then it kills him and again that wasn't satisfying just to like me. in a cutscene. yeah like off screen kills him 
which is basically the door slams and you hear a scream as it slams, which locks you in. Again, in, in assuming that you, the adventurers, are going to stay inside. Um, yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, and again, I was like, why would the imp kill him instead of trying to, you know, corrupt him or make a deal or whatever? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, those are the big changes I made. Oh, so like we go in. Matreus walks out. Yes. Because the door he, is open. Basically, he While goes, we're in. The imp kills him, then the door slams. Yeah. Yeah, and basically what happens is is it it's it says that you come in and he goes, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. You have a bit of role play, and he basically says, uh, look, I will tell I will help you with your curse, because that was one of the uh, original like story hooks. It's like I'll help you with your curse if you go in this mansion and and like uncover what's in here because there's countless you know wonders in here and that's that's the hook it's like go in explore it for me and then i will give you the information mm. so so yeah i wanted to i just those, those that changes was, make sense that was the big yeah. changes i made so. <laughs> and yeah the uh closet was not even really a thing it was just an encounter in a room but I wanted to make it into this. Into a mystery. Yeah, into a scary creature monster yeah. thing. And, and it worked. It, it ruled. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah. Anyways, I just wanted to share that with everyone because uh, I was sitting on that for a long time and I just wanted to let people know. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, anyway, so yeah, with that, I think we're going to wrap up unless either of you, any last words? I have had now two requests from Winged Scribe to show specifically Lovelace on image. Yes. Um, Can we show which, both? In what context is Lovelace being shown this image? Uh, I believe Winged Scribe would like Lovelace's reaction to Got the it. image. Okay. I'm going oh. to send this to Nathan so that Nathan, you can uh, show it to chat. Okay. To our, to our audience as well. Okay. Let's see if I can figure out the best way to show this. Is it going to be a share? Oh boy, this is. Um... You posted it in chat. Oh, maybe I. <laughs> yeah, let's see if my computer will cooperate. Oh, I, I mean in Gchat. I don't know. If... Oh, in Gchat. Yeah, because okay. I, I don't think you can't put links in our um, Story Reckless That's chat. That's true. Yeah. Oh, here comes the fan. Oh boy. Okay, I have sent it to you. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay, hold on. Oh, hold on, I got <laughs> What is happening? <laughs> okay, wait. I need to... There we go. There we go. Is this a... A, a, a bat centaur? <laughs> Wait, I don't see it yet. <laughs> send it How to, send it to, uh, yeah, you have to send it to Olive. I don't think Olive can see it. I guess I can. Vampire I can my... Centaur. All right, I'll look at it on my phone. What? <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you so much, Wigged Scribe. It's amazing. Uh, Wigged Scribe sent me this, like, it must have been less than a day after we originally asked for questions. 
I think. What? <laughs> yeah, what do you think about this lovely yeah, slash all of this? I have no words. <laughs> it's. Can I roll animal handling on it? <laughs> you can certainly try. <laughs> Hello? Hey, hey there, little buddy. Uh, Big buddy? I want to see it fly. <laughs> it would be like a. Like, like the legs limply, like, hanging. <laughs> okay, I'm rolling. I'm rolling. Okay. Okay. I think I have, like, a plus four or something. Uh, that's a 21 on animal handling. What do you What do you want out of this interaction with, with the vampire uh, centaur? Hey, are you one of them fruit bats or, uh... Yeah, I I think it uh, it definitely likes you. (laughs) Although if it's a vampire centaur, it probably... um, Hey, you'll probably be used to this. It lands on the ground next to you, waddles... Well, it it clops up to you, and the little... Comes up next to your neck, and you see the little mouth go... And these little fangs come out. As it's wanting to to nibble on you. I think I'm a new friend here. What is the sizing on this creature? Is it horse-sized or bat-sized or somewhere in between? This looks like a donkey-sized thing with a little bat-sized. So, so I think it's like a donkey-sized body with a little bat poking out of it. What do the teeth look like? I think there's the two kind of big horse buck teeth and then on the sides the little sharp vampire canines coming out. <laughs> I am speechless. Um, I So I thought, Claire, that you were going to show... Well, first off, I want to appreciate this drawing in that because I was having to figure out how to draw horse bodies when I was drawing Lovelace. Mm-hmm. And you can see the sketches of the bone structure underneath, it looks like, ever so slightly. Uh, ah. I, just, I appreciate that because I was looking at a lot of horse skeletons. Um, secondly, Claire, I thought you were going to be sharing, um, but maybe we'll wait on this. I can tease it, sort of, but I thought you were going to be sharing character art. Oh, oh, should we make that as our, like, final announcement kind of thing? We can announce it, yes. Yeah. Um, But I don't know if we should... Are we announcing it or showing it? Do we show it? Or do we wait? You really want to show it? Yeah. You want to show it? Okay, let me see if I can find it. Um, did you put it in... Can you do you have access to it, Claire? Can you just quickly post it in chat so I can just pull it up? Um I know uh, where mine are. I posted it as an image a couple days ago. Yes. That one is quickly available in chat. Nathan, if you could grab that and I will see if pull I can up. find it. Kidam. We're so professional, you guys. I know, I know. So professional. So for for those of you that are anxiously waiting, um, we hired an artist to do uh, character portraits, um, Brenna Ivy, uh, and they did a wonderful job of character portraits for our two lovely players. Um, So here... That's me and the lovely player. Yes. Here is uh, Lovelace. Which we are very excited to um, put onto tokens and to um, put into our, you know, uh, well, really on this screen, you would see, you know, uh, our names and then a little to- uh, portrait token off to the like left, probably. Um, 
Yes, so that is Lovelace. Uh, I will see if I can... Working on Kadam. Yeah, wait for Kadam to show up. Um, but yeah. I'm having some trouble. Very excited about that. And once yeah. we pull up Kadam, we'll show that off, and then we'll uh, call an end to the stream. Almost here. <sighs> My apologies. Yeah. Hey, no, no worries. Um, I saw that all of you... You posted a question to me just saying closet with multiple exclamation points. Was there more to that? No, we covered it. Okay, okay, cool. Okay. This should work. Yeah, it's it's so cool. So silly. Oh, it's uh, very exciting. Is your computer being... being uh, um, well, it's actually behaving, generally speaking. <laughs> I might be at... able to find it if it's not posting. Oh, there we go. I don't actually know if that's... A, that's... Wait, nope, no, that that's, the wrong one. that's the horse. <laughs> okay. No, no, it goes below the, it. The, bat, oh the vampire gosh. centaur. Chat, thank you for bearing with us. Yeah. The link, not the vampire centaur. Uh, the link is not working for me, so I'm just oh, going to really? find... Kadam on our uh... Hey, no, I got it. I got it. And it's going in chat. Okay. It's going in chat. I also I found it too. I, was... oh, I could okay. I could just open it up here. That might work best. I'm sorry. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Alright. Here we go. Oh wait. There we go. Da -da -da. Alright, and here Kadam, everyone. Thank you for bearing with us. And there you go. So yeah, our uh, character art is on the way. We are very excited to have it in our uh, live show when we start playing again. Yeah. So Thanks so much for coming out. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, everyone, so much uh, for joining us tonight for this little post-mortem chat. Uh, we had fun. I hope you had fun. Please mm -hmm. feel free to uh, post things in chat. Um, honestly, we would. I honest, I wouldn't mind hearing like things that you liked about the show um, or anything you maybe even wish was a little different. Oh, yeah, we didn't um, hit the like favorite memories question that usually comes up and yeah, stuff like this. And that's okay. Um, but yeah, just totally any feedback you have, we're totally open to it. Um, I know that's such like a broad thing, and it takes time out of your day. But if you feel so inclined, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, mm. Otherwise. Please just keep watching. Thank you so much yeah. for watching. Watching Pay us attention do... to us. Slash <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fun for you. I hope so. <laughs> no, but yeah, really, thank you all so much. And thank as Claire so said, thank you for being so active in chat. Uh, even though we're a small little audience, it's really fun. So uh, being able to see what you're all saying and talk with you all. All right. Uh, I think with that, we'll call it a night. Thank see you, everyone. next week. Yes, see Bye. you on Monday for a continuation of the story. We'll see what happens with Lovelace and Kadam next. Bye! Bye!